So good evening everyone here and on Zoom. I'd like to talk a little bit tonight about um, Zen training and musical training. Um, some of you might know that um, I play a musical instrument, I play the Irish flute and also the um, Irish tin whistle. And uh, the last weekend I went away with my um, group that I play with to the Blue Mountains and we had a, an Irish music weekend. And uh, so some of the reflections out of that experience is one, um, Irish people um, seem to be very, very good at having fun. Um, they're excellent at it. Um, and, uh, and the music is, a lot of the mu music is really fun music, like it's music that people dance to. But as you may, may also know, if you know anything about the music, it also has a, a very um, sad, melancholic, sweet, a sweet, melancholic sort of feeling to it as well. So a good Irish mu musician is someone who can express both the, the happiness and joy of life, but also touch, touch the soul of people in a sense of touching that more sensitive, you know, sad, suffering side of life and the transient side of life. And uh, when you, on the outside, you know, you go to a weekend like that and you just see people having fun. But if you reflect on it, there was a lot of discipline went into that fun. Mm -hmm. Hours and hours and hours of learning chords and scales and tunes and memorising tunes, probably quite a few hours every week, you know, for year after year. So in, in that in that sort of exuberant, liberating freedom behind it all is quite a lot of very, very focused discipline actually went into it. And um, it's, it's important to use music as an example of how to, how to train for something. And also just to throw into, into the mix, as, as many of you may know, um, Charlotte Joko Beck, my, my teacher, was a musician and a professionally trained musician and um, she gave concerts and she, um, it, it was her, her life work basically. Um, and she's sometimes spoken about the connection between music and Zen training. But if you go back to the basics, um, if you're going to play a, a musical instrument well, um, and this comes into Diana's work as well, it comes back to how you hold the instrument, right? And this is an instrument, your body's an instrument. How does this instrument hold the instrument? If you don't go back to the basics of the body and how you use your body and use your body well, like if you're going to play a flute, like Diana picks me up on sometimes, <laughs> down like this, you're not going to play it very well. You're like, up like that, you're going to play it well. Or a guitar, you know? anything. Um, there needs to be poise and balance in your body um, to be able to play it well as a basis. And that's very important too in the body um, of, of the Zazen posture. Do you know that we, we learn to, to hold the Zazen posture in not a, not a, sometimes you see people holding themselves far too tight, you know, in formal sitting, sittings like in monasteries and so on. Um, 
but it's it's not tightness, but it's um, there is a a balance and poise and relaxation and symmetry and and upness to the to the to the um, the posture of meditation. So that that's a basic thing that's common to both doing Zen practice and to doing music. Um, and then you need to um, to to do, start from the basics and do very sort of basic things and build up the skill level from there. So one of the basic things we do in Zen training, well, I and I emphasise it a lot when people come in as, as beginners, not people who are, are fairly experienced, but for people who are beginners, I always put them on breath counting to begin with. You know, And with breath counting, it's kind of like the musical equivalent of learning scales. You, know, you just repetitively do one thing after the other, one thing after the other, and it's not actually music per se, it's sound, but it's disciplined sound, and you're really get an, getting an understanding of the, the structure of music, you know, when you learn scales or arpeggios and, or chords if you've got a stringed instrument. So starting at those basics like doing breath counting to really develop a very, very strong base of concentration is very important, as I've said in other talks, in order to really get the most out of mindfulness. It's like so many people these days just want to jump straight into doing mindfulness, which is an open-ended, non-structured kind of practice. It's kind of like the musical equivalent. They want to go into improvising, you know, without having done the work, you know, and so it just comes out as noise rather than music. Um, so it's very important to, like, in music, learn your scales in Zen, do your breath counting until you've got a solid concentration base there, you know, and then once that is, is established, you'll get so much more out of that more open-ended, you know, shikantaza type of practice. There's a term that's used, um, that musicians use, you may have heard of it, um, which is called noodling. Um, if you haven't heard the term, noodling is when you're kind of just on your own in your own room and you've got a guitar, guitar or whatever and you're just kind of mucking around on it, you know, making random sounds out of it. Maybe, oh, that sounds kind of interesting and then you go on to something else. But if you actually practice by noodling, you'll, you'll never become a very good musician. It's kind of like just fun to do it at the time, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't progress into really developing a good musical skill. And so, so many people just noodle. Mm -hmm. And there's an equivalent of that in meditation. It's kind of when you kind of sit there and, and you, you, you just let your mind really sort of drift and you're interested in that thought and you chase that butterfly and, oh, yeah, no, I better come back and sit again. And just keep it, you, there's, there's not a discipline of mind behind it which actually cultivates um, that, that centeredness and, and insight that comes from practice. And then another component of it is, is uh, playing music with others, the discipline of playing music with others. And in Zen practice, we really um, encourage people to do their own practice at home, you know, but to be involved in a group. There's so much that you, you learn from Zen practice about having to harmonise with other people. 
follow a form with other people. Whereas on your own, you, you, you don't learn to do that. And again, um, musicians really grow because they're part of a group. Also, what happens in a group? You can make mistakes. <laughs> and when you make mistakes, you can look foolish in front of the group, uh-huh, which I've done many times. And uh, But that's part of the practice as well. And one of my Irish music teachers um, said years ago something that stuck in my mind. And there was one particular man in our group, a alien pipe player, and he was he was very very good, and uh, he was a, a, an excellent player for an amateur musician. And Chris, our teacher, in talking about him, um, said once, the reason why he's so good is one he practices a lot, and secondly he's prepared to make an idiot of himself. Mm-hmm. That's so like he was willing to put it out there, let go, be free, make mistakes, and not let, not that allow that to inhibit him or to stop him, you know? Because it's through through playing music, it's through making mistakes and just letting go, letting go, making mistakes, then correcting them that you actually grow from the experience. So there's something about being in a Zen group together and making mistakes. Mistakes are really valuable. Please make more of them, you know? And follow it through in terms of what what actually happens when you make the mistake. What, what do you experience? There's something in there's something in if you if you go down the right pathway, there's something about making a mistake and acknowledging it and be present with being present with the embarrassment of it, which is liberating. If you really, if you really stay close to the experience, there's something that's liberating. I mean, it's good for the ego too, isn't it? <laughs> ego deflates a little bit when you do it, providing you don't spiral down as some people do into. I make a mistake, so therefore I am a mistake. Do you know that? That's really quite problematic. Um, but that having the courage just to have a go, do you know? And, and see what follows is, is a wonderful thing to cultivate. Where, where sometimes this can differ though, um, many musicians um, can have a reputation of um, being very disciplined in their art form and the rest of their lives are chaotic um, and they get involved in drugs and alcohol and, and crazy lifestyles and so on. Um, it's actually a stereotype of musicians. Um, while there's, there, there are musicians like that, there's a lot who actually are not like that at all because you simply can't become a good musician and, and, and be, have a lot of drugs or alcohol on board or not sleep properly or anything. Um, the ones who are really dedicated, actually, their, their, their lifestyles aren't actually that chaotic. But in Zen, Zen is not just where it differs from playing music is it's not just about being learning to be disciplined and good at a particular thing. This is about our, our whole life, you know. So it's not about being good at meditation, but having a chaotic lifestyle. You know, you need to have a a stable lifestyle. You need to be settled in in yourself. 
um, to be able to um, get the most out of the practice. So the practice is about creating that that settledness in your life as well, and then it, it circulates back into your meditation. It's almost impossible to meditate really well um, if you if you taking drugs, taking a lot of alcohol, um, uh, couch surfing. It's just really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And so the nature of Zen practice is about it's about a transformation of our whole life, not just concentrating on some skill about, you know, how, how well you can concentrate or be in the present moment. It is <coughs> the whole blossoming into um, how we walk down the street, yeah. how, how we engage with the person in the shop, you know, how we deal with death, you know, how we deal with loss. All of those things come into place. It's it's an art of life, really. In um, Western Zen centres, or at least not in this one anyway, or the Ordinary Mind Zen School, um, but I, I haven't heard the term for a long time outside of Japan, um, people don't use the word Zen master anymore. Um, personally, I find the term um, pretentious, actually. Um, I think being called a Zen teacher is a much more modest term to use. But some people refer to themselves that way, or their students do. And in and it was appropriate in Japan. That's it seemed to be appropriate for their culture. It doesn't seem to be appropriate in our in our, our culture, in my opinion. But what are you a master of? Hmm? What's a Zen master a master of? Hmm? Um, you're actually not a master of anything. You know, li- life is the teacher. Life is the master. As much as you allow yourself to be one with life as it is, like with music, there's a kind of there's a letting go into experience. Not a, the master part is not about being perfect and not making mistakes. It's actually being willing to just give yourself over to life, whether you make mistakes or you don't. Um, and it diminishes this egocentricity that we we carry around. So that's where there's a lot of connections with music training and Zen training, and at some part it it uh, it can uh, divide too into sense that it's not this is about our whole life. It's not about a particular skill. 